0: So here we all are. Hello, welcome again to Your Politics, RTE's politics podcast with you every Thursday from our Leinster House studio. Micheal Lahan, Sandra Hurley and Tommy Meskel with me on your order. And this time last week, Sandra, um, we began. We, the news was just coming in mm-hmm. about what had happened, this awful school stabbing on Parnell Square. The details were, were still very sketchy. Mm-hmm. We spoke about it before we went on to talk about regular politics. None of us at the time had a clue that what would happen that night would end up just dominating the news, dominating politics right through till today.
2: Yeah, it really degenerated in the hours that followed uh, that initial stabbing that really kicked everything off. And as we know, there were riots in Dublin and the guards lost control of the city centre for a good period of time now. Interesting, Drew Harris, the Garda Commissioner, still not admitting to losing control. He really, I think, avoided uh, agreeing to that when it was put to him repeatedly at an Aroctus committee yesterday. But for many people, it did not feel safe in the city centre for a, a, a solid period of time last Thursday. Very much politically, the focus has been since then on the performance of the Justice Minister and the Garda Commissioner Both have resisted calls for them to resign, but the pressure remains on them. There is no doubt. I thought it was interesting today I saw Helen McEntee doing another doorstep. She's been out nearly every day. There's clearly been a political strategy there to have her very visible, very available, giving the appearance that she's on top of things. But today she conceded that it actually wasn't safe in Dublin last Thursday. She said it is safe today and that also goes to what many saw as a bit of a misstep by her last Thursday night on primetime when she said this isn't about safety. Her initial kind of that longer interview really didn't seem to go well for her and she's kind of been recovering ever since.
0: And as you say, Sandra, visibility. And Michal, we've had a lot of visibility, not just of Gardi on the streets, but also the Minister for Justice. Yesterday, she took leaders' questions, Drew Harris, there for three hours at the Earthless Justice Committee. So, their position after all of that, with all that visibility?
1: Well, I think the government are really committed to protecting Helen McEntee, and that will remain the case, barring some major public safety incident and if there is a no confidence motion next week by Sinn Féin that hasn't been decided yet it seems there will be government numbers there there's 80 nail down votes on the government side anyway several independents already and during the course of the last week indicating that they would support Helen McEntee so The political pressure, while it's intense there, she would survive any no-confidence vote. I think if there was any kind of moves, if there was any uneasiness, it was more about the Commissioner from the government side and you've had evidence of that from the likes of Senator Timmy Dooley and Senator Aaron McGeehan in Fianna Fáil both saying that he should go but he equally adamant at the committee that he wouldn't. What's, Different, though, over the last few days compared to what Helen McEntee was saying in the immediate aftermath of this in concrete terms. Not a lot. I mean, she has spoken about having four uh, public order units on duty across Dublin now every day, up until Christmas at least. Uh, so that's about 100 officers as well as that there will be certain changes along the way things like guardy getting guidance from the policing authority even though no one knows really is this even necessary uh, to tell them how much force they would be able to use in, in those riot type situations Because was this was one Thursday. of the
0: questions why had more guardy not drawn their batons last yeah. Thursday yeah.
1: That was one of the big questions and some people beginning to look towards GSOC but of course GSOC putting out a statement as well the Guard Ombudsman saying uh, that really that, that isn't anything to do with them and it wouldn't be because of them the people People were looking over their shoulders there there are other things too helen McIntyre talking about the fact that the body cam legislation that went through the doll last night so that's there now so but it's just a question of buying that equipment fairly quickly for gardi and then there seemed to be an effort over the weekend to say that the facial recognition technology which is that way in which uh, people could be identified far, far more quickly than going through hours and hours of video footage that Helen McEntee was speeding that up. But I'm not really sure that she is. I mean, there was going to be a standalone bill published before the end of the year anyway. That's what was agreed in the middle of the year. And there still is going to be that pre-legislative scrutiny process, uh, which kind of means that it's going to be a long passage uh, to getting that legislation passed.
0: And the fundamental question, of course, is the number of Gardaí available to the Garda commissioner. And the fact, and this was pointed out by Fianna Falls Justice Spokesperson, Jim O'Callaghan, Tommy, wasn't it? The fact that we have the same number of Gardaí as 20 years ago and a million more people and the targets for recruitment, despite the best efforts and the commitment and, you know, the government saying it's not about resources, the targets consistently being missed.
3: Because I think pressure will probably remain on this government now over the coming months. If there are major uh, deteriorations in public safety, they will come under pressure again, and that question of resources will be asked once again. Helen McEntee in recent days had been saying that around eight hundred new recruits were going through Templemore. Yesterday at the Rocktas Justice Committee, Alan Kelly uh, discovered that actually it, it's lower. It's in it's just over six hundred organisations like the Irish Council... Because an sim- intake
0: coming in on the 28th of be- December was being included, is that right?
3: Yes, yeah, yeah. So perhaps a, a little lower than, than she had previously indicated.
0: Not
1: an easy day to begin your life as a guard, is it, just after Christmas? No, they <laughs> will be
3: under a lot of pressure, that's Maybe for Maybe they'd sure. have a
0: nice dinner in the canteen.
3: Um, Some would say as well that actually what it's about is having more Gardaí because this talk of having a a more kind of muscular force, if you like, drawing their batons, stronger pepper spray, uh, that actually the the likes of the Irish Council for Civil Liberties, they would say that that is a distraction and that the policing method in this country has worked well up to now and that perhaps what you need is more visibility, not more force, if you like.
0: Well, there's certainly plenty of visibility around town at the moment. There are nearly mm-hmm. more guards on Henry Street the other day than there were shoppers uh, in Arnott. Let's get back there's to There's things
1: like water cannon as well. Right? Yes, we we've we, got We, two we don't now. say cannons, do we? We say cannon. It's cannon, pretty, yeah. The yeah. plural of cannon <laughs> yeah, is it's cannon. good to know. Good yeah. to
0: know. Uh, <laughs> I'd have expected you to know yeah, that I didn't already. didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. you know. And,
1: and stronger pe- pepper spray as well is on the way. Uh, but I suppose, from a government point of view, and particularly for Fine Gael, there is no doubt in the fact now that when the next election campaign happens, yeah. suddenly law and order becomes a central thing. It's going to be up there with housing and health and that will hurt many in Fine Gael as the law and order party, that there is unquestionably, no matter what happens in the period ahead, that's a weak point now for the law and order party.
0: And Mary Lou went hard on law and order and she went hard on the government's record on law and order in the Dáil this week. On the other hand, her party, Louise O'Reilly and Mary Lou MacDonald herself, a lot of criticism for an image of a homeless person on the streets that they were using mm. as part of their, their campaign here.
2: Yeah, that was something that was tweeted from Mary Lou McDonald's account uh, purporting to be a man looks like a vulnerable man outside the school in Parnell Square where this all happened. And Louise O'Reilly waved it about in the Dáil again yesterday in leaders' questions. It went down very badly. Helen McEntee was straight in uh, uh, saying that 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 absolutely wasn't something they should be doing in the Dáil. And I spoke to a member of the opposition today who said... Sinn Féin had such an opportunity yesterday at Leaders' Questions to pin down Helen McEntee by sort of coincidence. Helen McEntee was due to take Leaders' Questions that day and this opposition person felt that Sinn Féin handed it uh, to Fine Gael to the government on a platter that's how they put it because they made such a miscalculation there it went down really badly Uh, Ivana Bacic also picked up on it as well and it was something they had clearly thought about beforehand it was a strategy but it really misfired uh, and it missed the point I think Uh, Mm -hmm. and it allowed Helen McEntee I think to come out relatively unscathed at leaders' questions yesterday Uh, it may have been the first time she was doing it Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that now she's not completely in the clear yet because there is this possibility of Sinn Féin putting down a no confidence motion. We're going to hear about that either yeah. later tonight or tomorrow. That would run into next week but I think if that does happen if we do see that debate next week in the Dáil it's going to be pretty nasty very tribal between Fine Gael and Sinn Féin. We've seen that before with the other confidence motions in Leo Radker and Simon Coveney and all the front bench in Fine Gael will be uh, fired up and ready to dig out all the controversies to do with Sinn Féin.
1: And the picture image of course did stem from something the night before the- that Gary Gannon had raised that, and there was concerns about from the parents of that school in Parnell Square that there wasn't enough of a Garda presence.
0: But Despite that ha- all the promises that they felt yeah. there should have been a, a guard there when the children yeah. were coming Even out the of government school. Saying
1: there was a presence, but they wouldn't have a guard outside the school because they wanted things to return to normal. That was the initial defence. But the fact that that had been yeah. kind of mentioned and addressed fairly extensively on Tuesday night. But it was Gary Gannon's constituency colleague then, Mary Lou MacDonald, who really drew attention to this issue the next day. So there probably is an attempt within opposition as well to, to try and stay ahead on this issue.
0: Except there's another point worth making and I, I think it was John O'Brien and I can't remember who it was. A couple of academics made the point, I think. But the government has actually been quite lucky that Sinn Féin have not flirted with the far right or the people who were on the streets in order to be as populist as government often accuses Sinn Féin of being. I mean, we had, for instance, the site this week, didn't we, of Mary Lou MacDonald being besieged when she was at a community centre in East Wall by, by
2: some of these... Uh, yeah, and it's interesting, you, you would wonder, would it cost them some votes in some constituencies where... Immigration and the influx of people that, uh, into certain areas, uh, whether that could hurt Sinn Fein in uh, the local or European elections coming up. Um, certainly, we have we saw, now it was a small group that we saw, um, uh, but quite hostile towards Mary Lou MacDonald, a very intimidating situation that we saw on uh, social media this week. Uh, but it certainly. And it, also it, people before profit meeting was disrupted. That's right, Gino as well, Kenny, I think, it, in yes. another part of Dublin. Uh, so you wonder. Where are those people going to go if they are voting in the next election? We have seen some far-right parties registered in recent months. We've never seen a far-right candidate make it into the Dáil. I remember back in 2002, there was this anti-immigration control platform when we first saw that kind of wave of immigration, that Celtic tiger wave coming into Ireland. Some candidates ran in that general election, but nobody was elected. So I wonder whether next time could people coalesce around a particular new party?
1: I think too, from the government's point of view, and particularly Helen McEntee saying that she expected more unity, I think that that is a bit naive and probably wishing for too much. She said there was a moment when she rang the Dublin Central TDs last Thursday night where she thought they would be unity. But I think that there was always going to be a political fallout. There had to be uh, in the aftermath of what happened on Thursday night.
0: And as you say, an issue that's very much... Uh, going to rise now in prominence uh, coming into an election cycle. Uh, Another issue, of course, in in many ways it relates to this and the the racism and the anti-immigrant position of some of those who've been campaigning and that we saw on the streets uh, recently. And uh, we had the news this week, didn't we, that... Well, basically, there's no room at the inn, is there, for migrants yeah, that, coming up to Christmas? Yeah, once
1: again, this came up at Cabinet and it didn't come up on a formal memo. It's kind of, it shows the urgency of the situation. It's something that the integration minister, Roderick O'Gorman, raised, and a real sense of urgency. Equally added to that urgency is the reality that it would not be safe to have people on the streets, to have migrants having to stay on the streets uh, in this particular climate. So for all those reasons, there seems to be an effort underway uh, to try and find more spaces quickly, wh- whatever the
0: difficulties And we have the prospect, do we, of people sleeping in tents over Christmas?
2: And I heard from one government person it could be as soon as this weekend. There are concerns that they could run out of accommodation uh, over the weekend because the numbers are still coming the the entire time. We would expect, as we saw previously, they would probably prioritise women and children to go to facilities, accommodation centres of some sort, stay in City West. But again, it could be men sleeping on the streets in tents and that's not a good look for the government.
0: The issue of housing (coughs) single
2: Brown men becoming particularly pressing, it appears. Yes, and all over the country. And it is something that has bubbled up in so many constituencies. We've seen it in tourist towns where there's been, it seems maybe a disproportionate amount of people put in certain areas because the accommodation is there, because the hotels are there. Local people complaining that they might not have the facilities, the doctors, the schools uh, to deal with people. Also, they have been complaining about a lack of information. There seemed to be a situation in Leitrim this week as well. And again, it all feeds into this sense that it's going to start to start bubbling through our electoral politics over the next while. And we had some data this
0: week as well. It was interesting, and you know, because this is kind of an, an issue that's been talked about and cropping up, you know, um, bizarre claim and counterclaim on social media and so on. But we actually had data from the ESRI about. What's been happening in terms of migration? This And of course, mm. what we had about 60,000 going and mm. a bit more than twice that coming in.
2: Yes. So 140,000 people arriving in the year leading up to April 2023 and then 64,000 emigrating during that period. So we have known that there's been a huge wave of immigration into Ireland, but that does calibrate it in a way. It gives yeah. us a sense of how large it is. Other interesting figures are that in 2022, uh, there was 13,600 applications under international protection. And to do a sort of comparison, you have to go back to pre-COVID. So 2019, there's been a 186% increase since 2019. So Ireland is seeing a huge number of people coming, waves of people coming, uh, and that has created its own problems. Now, the other side of that is that businesses, retailers, service industry, they do need workers. But in order to have workers coming here, you need accommodation. It's all about the accommodation problem again.
0: And this is back to the whole issue, isn't it, with with migrants coming here and refugees coming here, because whatever Roderick O'Gorman might hope to be able to achieve about moving people on after three months, the question becomes, where do you move them on to? We saw new figures on rising rents this week, for instance.
3: Yeah. And new tenancies are rising faster than existing tenancies, 18% ahead uh, in in comparison to existing tenancies. So that is a huge issue. And and if they did press ahead with those uh, initial plans, although we don't know if the government were to sign sign off on them, but this idea that migrants would have to move on after 90 days in state accommodation, uh, where do they move on to to, uh, when you have such a tight accommodation situation? Uh, I'm not quite sure where they do go to.
1: It's amazing that something that did cause such a sparky debate at cabinet—that that idea of changing the system—it's now about five weeks since that happened, and still the the big changes haven't been agreed yet. It could there was happen before Christmas. Joint ministerial
0: memos being worked on, weren't there? Yeah,
1: because yes. it has to. The housing are going to be involved, integration and also education as well. But still, it is going to, going to be a radical change, and of course, wealth there's going to be welfare changes as well, possibly. Uh, but it still it still hasn't happened. Right.
0: It still hasn't happened yet. Uh, the wording on the uh, the referendum that we're told is going to be happening on International Women's Day.
1: Yeah, despite some confidence last week that it was all going to be done and dusted this week, and the Electoral Commission will be put on notice, the wording still hasn't uh, arrived, or has, and it may not happen next week again either. So those that talk about an early March referendum is suddenly uh, looking more ambitious by the day.
0: Right. Uh, the other thing. That's going on politically this week. It's not a, well, it was not it's a global event, of course, but the Taoiseach is there, Tommy, COP twenty eight. And it's happening in the United Arab Emirates, which has caused uh, some green eyebrows to be raised.
3: Yeah, it kicked off today in Dubai, 200 countries, as you say, and they're all uh, trying to ensure that the world does not exceed that 1.5 degrees uh, in, in global warming. Uh, today, though, we we received news that actually we, we're going to hit 1.4 degrees this year, uh, and we know that we're not on track to, to, to stay within that 1.5 degree limit. Uh, so there's a lot of talking and a lot of work to be done uh, in the UAE over the coming days. As you say, though, there's also concern that... Uh, the, hosts, uh, the host country this year that they will use this as an opportunity to to strike uh, some deals in terms of oil and gas which would uh, totally go against the spirit of the event uh, so Leo Varadkar uh, is out there today he'll be out there for the coming days I think his focus will be on trying to uh, get countries to pledge uh, money to those poorer countries that will suffer the most in, in terms of climate change I think that'll be his focus over the coming days
0: Of course um, the Taoiseach got into some diplomatic hot water, didn't he, all over his Mm -hmm. tweet following the release of... I mean, what's been such a terrible story, what's been happening in Israel, Gaza, at least the past few days, the truce, and at least the release of Emily Hand, seeing her run into her father, Tom's arms.
1: Yeah, that was a good news story, but there was that diplomatic row because the thesis language was just too loose, wasn't it? Some readers were inferring biblical references in it when he spoke about uh, a child being lost uh, and now found. He said what he was trying to convey was the sense of joy and awe at a child returning. His full statement, I did talk about a child being snatched from her family and also spoke about the fate of other hostages who were still being held captive. But but the response was fairly stinging uh, from, from Israel, saying that he'd lost his moral compass. He didn't suffer anything domestically as a result of that, unlike other incidents where where he may have been in the past just seen to use the wrong words. There was no criticism from home on this occasion.
0: And uh, Fergus O'Dowd, another Fine Gael stalwart, departs the stage or announces his departure.
1: Yeah, so the numbers keep rising up, rising, don't they? And Fergus O'Dowd was someone who we thought would run. He he was always adamant that he would, but he he too is one of those people that Leo Varadkar said another one or two in the party had let him know that they wouldn't be running. So Fergus O'Dowd joins that long list now of. Brendan Griffin, Joe McHugh, Michael Creed. Who else is there?
2: Charlie Flanagan. Charlie
1: Flanagan, yeah, as well as Francis Fitzgerald and and Deirdre Clune and the European side. So it's going to be a different-looking Fine Gael party that makes its way to the starting point for the next general election. Could that be beneficial? Hard to see how it could be. It's it, it it does make it more difficult to, to to hold seats, doesn't it? At the same time, you do look to that twenty eleven election when a party's having a bad day and new faces do emerge on that occasion with someone like Robert Troy. Sorry, the yeah, Robert Troy coming through for, for Fina Fall, which was unexpected. So maybe mm-hmm. new faces here and there.
0: And with all God. these uh grandees of politics um departing the stage um I suppose people will start speculation about things like the aurus and stuff like that. Yeah. Any names?
3: Well, there's a few min- names in the mix, I suppose, among those who have retired. Look, as we can speculate as, <laughs> as much as we want. <laughs> You're not going to But um,
1: um, so The big question there is, Maureen McGuinness, how, how, does Maureen McGuinness want to be president? We think she would like that very much. How, how does she get herself into position now to do that, given that her job in the European Commission is going to run out? That is going to be a Fianna Fáil pick uh, the next time and she's not going to run for the European Parliament election. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Could someone like Frances Fitzgerald uh, be, be interested? Would she be running
0: for Fergus O'Dowd's seat, possibly?
1: Yeah, domestic politics return, but it would be will be a short stint in the doll if she was interested in the presidential election as well, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. That's a messy one because you would probably have to rule something out, wouldn't you? And then roll back on it. They, I mean, what Fine Gael were trying to say to Maury McGuinness, we understand is, why don't you maybe even run in somewhere like Dublin? That would help you in your bid if you if you were still interested in the presidency, expand the vote even further, having been so successful in the Midlands-Northwest constituency the last time. But it didn't appeal.
0: I met, yeah, uh what? Yeah, there's a lot. I know I was just going to say, I met Kate O'Connell in the butchers the other day, but she <laughs> wouldn't be drawn up whether he
2: was running or not. Well, Certainly they need a woman in, in the Dublin Bay South, don't they? So yeah. if they have yeah. James Gagan, although there was suggestions of Emma Blaine, a councillor, I think in a, in a different part of Dublin, that she could move into Dublin Bay South. But most, you know, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael will want to run a man and a woman ticket in most constituencies. They have to try and reach that 40% gender quota. So they will be looking yeah. to draw as many women in as possible. The Dublin
1: one. candidate then, like names like Colin Brophy, Jocie For kind of being mentioned as as possibilities for that to replace Francis Fitzgerald on the on the ticket.
0: All right, and let's uh, let's remember somebody um, not a political figure, but he got a minute silence today, didn't he, in the door today, Michal Shane McGowan. Yeah,
1: Shane McGowan got a minute silence. Uh, it was it was a joint minute silence for in the words of the Corla, Shauna Fariel, the magnificent artist, Shane McGowan, and also the exceptional political leader, Tras Honan, who was buried today. Uh, so a rare That's thing. That's some couple. That is a Who would have seen that one? coming? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: Unexpected. Well, well, I hope they're dancing together up in <laughs> heaven and having fun over it. Yes. Tributes,
1: widespread tributes to, to, to Shane McGowan. The Thánaiste, th- the th- uh, describing him as someone who's able to blend different musical genres. Uh, Jerry Adams, the former Sinn Fein president, uh, describing him as a poet, a patriot, and a great friend of the downtrodden. Uh, so, widespread tributes. Uh, the Taoiseach as well saying the Shame again captured uh, what it was to be Irish w- when you're outside the, the country. Uh, so, plenty Pogues fans around who knew it.
2: Anyone ever see him live? No. Have you seen Ammonia? I have. <laughs> Tell mm-hmm. us about that concert.
0: Well he stood up that was the main thing that <laughs> he stayed standing till the end of it. Uh, he was a phenomenon he really yeah, was. There is and
1: that great concert that, that there was the DVD of years ago the one from 1988 in London and the Town and Country Club but with Joe Strummer like the Pogues at, at their height and just all that energy everything about it is is brilliant Like, and you see there are Shane McGowan songs it's very hard to see anyone else recording them they say that about people like Ray Orbison and that's true McGowan has that as well even if you look at like a song like The Broad Majestic Shannon which was written for Liam Clancy but uh, Shea McGowan recorded first, and the great, great singer that is Liam Clancy, and it's just the size, just incomparable. That the, the difference in the version.
0: And actually, the time I saw him, it was at this big international festival, and uh, like the world and its mother was there. Debbie Harry was walking by. Billy Idol was, going, you know, Bono, like loads and loads of people. Um, but they, he, he had like he, they were all mm-hmm. standing him he was kind of cooler than they were in in, mm-hmm. in a weird way and it, mm-hmm. it was that whole kind of attitude do you know mm-hmm. what I mean so anyhow there you go Nick
1: Cave talking about friend and poet today as well there's always that sense with Shane McGowan that he is he is first and foremost a poet
2: and that's what President Michael D Higgins put out a statement, and he spoke about Shane McGowan's great uh, f- being a fantastic lyricist, yeah. and about yes. him as a poet. Um, perhaps even more so than being a musician, mm. it's uh, how he wrote, the way he used words, uh, and there's so many yeah. memorable songs. And one we're going to hear endlessly now between yeah. now and Christmas, as we always do, but maybe even more this yeah. year.
1: And he gets the measure of measure of our measure of my dreams, Michael D Higgins, finding that beautiful lyric from "Rainy Night in Soho" and getting into his tribute as well the poet spots the poetic line.
0: <laughs> We'd have to put him over on Lyric or something. Like that <laughs> <laughs> keep going like that and
1: before anyone... be any digital station left open go <laughs> further RT announcing further cuts this afternoon that <clears> the <throat> chief among them Fair City uh, in the next period ahead will go down to three nights a week uh, as part of the cost saving measures. Yeah
0: we'll go now before anyone expects us to start singing Christmas carols or anything <laughs> like that because we won't inflict that on you but we will be back with you next Thursday so please come back to us then and until then Slong.